0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create your life.
1: Create your life.
0: Create your life.
1: Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life
0: better create your, <laughs> create, your create, create your life create your life create your life create your life Beautiful people, happy, happy Sunday. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and this is an amazing day. Uh, Super happy to be here, and definitely, as usual, you know we have our amazing uh, guest today. Today is the first Sunday of the month, uh, definitely the first uh, Sunday of the year. Um, So we have CEO Talks here uh, today, and today's topic that we're going to talk about on CEO Talks is actually about difficult negotiations and really uh, how not to give it all away in the beginning. We have Todd Wanish, CEO of Clever Era, um, and we also have Eric Fondren, who is the CEO of itel.io, itelio. And so uh, you gentlemen, please say hello to the Create Your Life family, and you know, let's get this conversation started.
2: Hey, everybody. How you doing? Good. Yeah. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, man. How you doing? I'm good. Good
0: man i'm so happy and excited to have both of you gentlemen uh here in the studio with us uh right now so i think moving just moving and jumping right in man i want to know uh have there have you guys ever had any experiences where you had someone uh basically you know try to take advantage of you or you know some things that didn't didn't feel right like tell us about a, a actual real life example
2: i got a good one eric you want to go first or you want me to go first Oh man, trust me, I'm I'm over here excited too. So I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> I love I love that this is the first this is the first one of the new year for CEO talks because this is you just jump right into the hardcore topics. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I'll say I'll say it like this. Uh, a few years ago, um, one of my one of my first startups, um, we had a real real huge opportunity for uh, to white label the service, and uh, I would never white labeled anything before. White labeling basically means we we License out the site, license out the software, and mask it. We we rebrand it uh, under somebody else's name so that it looks like theirs. It looks like they own it, and we basically uh, capture a licensing fee or some type of recurring revenue. Um, These people were really excited. I was really excited, and uh, I negotiated my butt off, man. I we, man. It was they were great. I was great everything seemed to work out. In fact, uh, one of the rules that I try to live by, especially when I'm dealing with some, some, uh, uh, someone new that I'm trying to negotiate with is I try to, um, either get it, get it, the person through a reference or get it, the person through a referral or find somebody in that circle that I can talk to, to see other deals that they did to see if they're on the up and up. So all this stuff checked out. Uh, I had a friend of mine who had done a deal with this person who had gotten paid, who had a great experience with them. And, uh, so I thought everything was going to work out fine. And, uh, uh, in the early part of the process, it was perfect. We got the contract, the, it was the biggest, at that point it was the biggest contract I'd ever gotten signed. It was a mid six figures. Um, so I was really happy. And um, he was, he, everyone was excited and everything was, was spot on. And then the trouble started. Uh, in fact, it, the, the first flag was that first meeting because inside the contract that we signed and negotiated uh, was that we were, my company was supposed to get a down payment. And uh, they were like, well, it's going to take us a few g- days to get the funds. This is rather large. So if you just give us a, a, just a couple of days, we'll, we'll get the transfer over. And I was like, well, you knew this was coming. <laughs> you knew I was going to be coming here today. You saw the contract. <laughs> like, you know, we were just here. This was a, a meeting just to sign the paperwork. Like, oh, but all right. You know, I, I guess I can understand that. I mean, you know, I, it was a large contract uh, at the time. So uh, went, went home happy, but not completely satisfied. Uh, and then as I started to follow up, you know, that first three days turned into a week um, that week turned into two weeks. Those two weeks turned into about a month. Uh, and Uh every time I talked to this guy, uh, he would, you know, always had an excuse, always was putting it off just around the corner, just coming and coming and coming. Six months later, six months, I'm still waiting for this thing to happen. And I'm like, look, you're tying up, not just my, you're tying up my time, you know, like, um, you signed something on the dotted line. And I should also point out that this was like a legitimate, company this uh, was a a publicly traded company so this was not some fly on the wall guy just like came out of nowhere this was you know what i thought was a legitimate situation and uh it got to the point where where our, our lawyers got involved and the minute the minute i started putting pressure on him uh i got a call out of the blue from uh from one of the main investors and he wanted to schedule a meeting and uh i went over there to talk and real friendly conversation but this guy you know I could tell, you, you know, you know when you walk in that the guy that to a situation like that, that this was a person who was pretending, not pretending to be nice, was very cordial and very professional, uh, but was absolutely just like a ruthless killer. You know, like no, no <laughs> doubt, like, you know, no doubt, no doubt. He had, a, uh, you know, some, some uh, awards and trophies that were, were given for owning the most shares in some very large companies and the millions upon millions of shares. And um, this wow. person tried to, he tried to calm the situation. I think he thought I was young and I think he thought that I hadn't been in situations like this. Um, uh, and that I was able to use that to my advantage a little bit. Uh, a lot of times, you know, people don't know your background. They don't know who you know. Um, so he had no way of knowing that that my my way into entrepreneurship, uh, my mentor, my original business mentor, was taught me everything I know. He And he himself had just incredible connections. So um, things like, trying to impress me with money or success or, or, or things of that nature weren't really going to work on me, but I think this person thought it would. So he was showing me his awards. He started talking about – he introduced me to another client that he had done like a $45 million bridge loan to, um, you know, expecting it to be impressive, which it is for, from a professional standpoint, but it's not going to make me fold or beg for something. Um, and his, his deal was that he wanted to wipe the slate clean. He said, I want to work with you. I like you, kid. Um, but this, is, this deal isn't going to happen. We're just going to wipe the slate clean. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I completely understand that. I actually like you, too. I think we should do business together on some other things because he, he did like the platform. Um, I said, we can absolutely do that. Um, I, I'm the same way. Let's, let's wipe the slate clean. Just pay me what you owe me. Just for being just for just for the contract, not the completion of the contract, because obviously that's not going to happen, but just what you signed uh, and we can move forward Mm -hmm. and we'll wipe the slate clean. I'll even offer you a kill fee, Uh, a a kill fee for those that don't know is basically a a negotiated fee where you just kill the deal. So you you pay for something. It usually covers legal costs and maybe a little bit of a a headache. Um, But at least you can walk away and say, well, I got something out of the deal. Um, and this guy right. would not budge, and in fact, it ended up getting a little salty, where he was just like, "My lawyers are going to crush you, da 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 da, da. And um, wow. uh, you know, it it got <laughs> it got to the point like the interesting thing to sum it up, basically, the the way this got resolved is you know my my attorneys went into it and they were, they came back and they're like, "Look, this company, even though it's public, like it doesn't exist. Like there is nothing on the books here. Um, it just looked wow. ended up looking like it was a shell company, and you know, I, I don't know enough to to say whether it was it's a it's a you know, legal versus illegal. I, I assume it's all legal. You know, I don't assume he was doing anything wrong. Um, but from my perspective, like, the, just the, the flags on the field of play were just all over the place. And I was out. You know, I was, because of that, That I, I ended up negotiating a great deal. They ended up firing the CEO, the guy who ended up writing his, signing his name to the contract. They fired him quick. Um, and when the investor, the main investor, couldn't, couldn't get a hold of me uh, or couldn't wrangle me in, uh, they just split. That's my, that's wow. my, that was my, my big lesson on negotiating. Huh? Okay. I've definitely had something
1: similar, but I don't think it, it, it got to that point. Um, I, I had a, I've had two examples of of, of strange negotiations. And one of the things I've learned in a hard negotiation is to know your power in the moment. So that comes from knowing how much you're going to sell your product for. That comes from knowing exactly what you're going to be providing in the entire agreement. So I was, I was negotiating more of a strategic alliance as opposed to a client-vendor relationship. Mm. And this other party was looking to um, provide one skill set, and then somehow it sort of snowballed into this other skill set that they say that they could provide. And because of this other skill set, it would have put us on the map if they were able to to really bring it to fruition. Mm -hmm. And so they used it as this lever point, basically saying that your company really won't exist without this. And so, You have to give us all of these extra nuances, this extra revenue, this extra compensation, because we're literally putting you on the map. Mm -hmm. And so during I had already gone through a very, very severe negotiation before that, so I didn't even bat an eye when they started pushing around a little bit of their weight. But ultimately, what it came down to was the contract itself. If you're not aware, you're literally, it's a legally binding agreement just like a marriage license is. And so you have to look at it like if I'm going to get married to this person, how ugly can the divorce get? Right. And if it's very possible for the ugly, the divorce to get ugly, you need to put in all the per- exit parameters possible in that contract so that you can easily. It's basically like the uh, uh, what is it? Um, a premarital agreement or right. a prenuptial, rather. You you need to place the prenuptial in the contract in order to alleviate the things that can occur down the line. So there's going to be exit clauses if there's non-performance, there is going to be buyout clauses if, you know, there's a reason to be exiting the agreement for other reasons. All of these things were required before I even signed the dotted line. That all came because I knew my value. I knew what I was bringing to the relationship and I wasn't looking at it like, all these guys are going to make me rich, so let me just give them whatever they need. Mm. You know, a lot of times I think we as entrepreneurs look at it like, you know, they're giving me so much, they're going to kickstart everything for me that right. we want to give away everything at the outset before right. we even realize what we're giving up.
2: Eric, I got a quick question for you. How, how long do you uh, talk to somebody? Uh, before you jump into a negotiation, like you 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 made an analogy to marriage and prenups, which is very very accurate. Um, how long do you date before you decide to get married?
0: <laughs> That's a great question.
2: That is a great question, and probably in this particular scenario, we
1: dated for maybe six months mm. before we ever legally put anything on paper, and then went back and forth with that for maybe another two months. So, you know, not only were we watching, I was watching how they worked, how they um, delivered on their promises, what their personalities were, because I'm very much a culture person. I say it all the time. And I don't want to work with anybody that ultimately is going to burn my culture down mm-hmm. um, because they're so vitriolic. They're so antagonistic when they're not getting their way. Right. And so there were a couple times when I had to establish boundaries based on that, And so now, in our, it's like a running joke. Eric is the level-headed one, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Ultimately, we we did actually sign an agreement. It was just very concrete and and substantial. Now, from uh, another point of view, I had a negotiation with a very large entity, wasn't publicly traded, but one of the biggest companies in my industry. And ultimately, we never got married. Because, from when especially when it is a big moving, real company, there's so many stakeholders that until you get to the top stakeholder, you're really just passing gas, right? It's really just having fun having a conversation because the real stakeholder can literally redline an agreement, throw it back at you, and then now it's a non starter.
2: Yeah, so, I, I think that's, ultimately, a, that's an important point. Go ahead. No, no I think that I'm, I'm definitely uh, hear you on that. I think that's a really important point, and um. Um, especially, especially on on the dating timeline, I, I've found over the mm-hmm. course of years, um, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have to be best friends, but we should at least be really friendly. Right. Um, and I found that because right. because you're bringing so many different levels of experience, um, especially when it's a new when it's a new partnership in a new area, that mm-hmm. one side may freak out or one side may question themselves, question things. I mean, things happen and things mm-hmm. come up, especially when uh, when uh, situations don't necessarily work out at first. You know, you run, when you come into a partnership together, there are always going to be stumbling blocks and, st- and, and, and barricades that you need to jump over and you have to j- be willing to jump over that together. So right. I, six months sound is actually a really interesting number because I, I think I've never measured it, but it seems like the people that I end up working with for years, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's like, like I said, I don't, we don't have to necessarily be best friends, but we should be able to grab coffee. We should be able to hang out, talk about our kids, and really enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. Um, go to just just be cool with each other right. because when those stumbling blocks occur, it's easier at that point to just pick up. You know, I know this. It's easier for me to say, or for another person to say, "Look, I know this other person isn't trying to trying to r- pull something over on me. Let me just call them and find out what's going on." right? Let's talk about it. Let's work on it together. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, I think just one from my younger days, from my, even back when my, when I was doing animation, um, you know, you had people, you had people who, you know, I had, I had years and years of experience and done, done Mm -hmm. hundreds of, of animated commercials at that, by that point, I had a guy who one who got to deal with it for a music video for a a hip hop group that was, that was still is very big. Um, what I want to point a finger. I'll, I'll say... I'll say you can say the group. You
0: don't have to say the person who had the deal. I'm just curious. All right. It was a Roots. Wow. Yeah.
2: So, um, and uh, I was excited because I love the Roots. I mean, you know, yeah. Half-Life was oh. like... Well, Philadelphia. Yeah, uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. You know, you got to... It, it's fantastic. So, um, but it was it was a big deal for them, and it was their first, their first deal. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. For me, in terms of animation, uh, it was my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. So, what happened... Uh, in a a nutshell Mm -hmm. was uh was we plotted everything out we worked together we signed a contract i Mm didn't i was very young so it was a quick deal they flew me out uh to where they were located we had a we had a meeting for a weekend and we we signed the deal and um two weeks later they sent me like they started sending me like legal notices because they weren't having stacks of animation and and it was laughable from my perspective because anyone that knows the process of animation would be like look a i have delivered everything that, that i'm supposed to that's on right. this, that's in the contract and b mm-hmm. it's animation right. like these are right. the specific deadlines these are the milestones we talked about it mm-hmm. this is the date mm-hmm. you know they were they were upset because you know something that was due 3 months down the road they didn't already have you know and it's right. like well, and it was their misunderstanding and not they mm-hmm. they were uneducated in the process mm-hmm. they'd gotten the deal right. And, and they were right. fortunate in that respect, but they didn't understand the process well enough to be able to become good partners, at least right. from, my, from my perspective, right. in, in, that, in that situation. Right.
1: Yeah. I um, find that most partnerships occur because one, people doesn't have a skill set and they need you to fill it. And so what happens is with a lot of bad partnerships or a lot of, when you run into bad negotiations, it's usually because one person says, I want you to do this at much less value than what you're normally provided in order to deliver this service. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've had negotiations where someone shows up. We have an upfront conversation about the potential of the relationship and it's just a conversation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then later down the road as being sort of clear, become clearer, I understand who they are, what value they provide, I know my value, and we start comparing, trying to fill the gaps because we do want to move this opportunity together, Mm -hmm. uh, forward together, you start saying that, oh, you know what? You're not actually able to fill the role that I thought you were going to fill. You're not able to fill uh, the the larger role that I thought you were going to fill. So I'm going to downgrade or demote you in terms of... um, Th- where this relationship is really going to go. You know, I've had, I've had to look at potential people that are going to work for me mm-hmm. or potentially be, um, high level executive members on my team. And over the course of the three to six month dating period, I get a whiff of their personality. I get a whiff of their conflict resolution skills. Um, I look at actually what they're saying versus what they're doing. And ultimately, their skill set doesn't, Allow for them to move into the vision that we initially set out. And that requires a very direct conversation. Very direct. Got to sit down and say, I know you used to said th- I said this, this is no longer applicable. Why? Because of this. I know I said this, but actually, I prefer you to do this. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot, a lot of times with leadership, whether it's a partnership or an employee or a contract that you're getting, telling someone that you changed your mind. <laughs> Is, is difficult, especially when you're just starting out because you don't want to burn any bridges. But a lot of times it's so necessary. You just have to sit people down and, and say no, you know, sooner rather than later.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that. I, I want to really just jump in and kind of segue. Um, mm-hmm. I think there are two things that I want to talk about. I want to talk about a recent um, experience that I just had um, in terms of negotiations and, and, and having to say no uh, and also misunderstanding. But I also want to talk about you know, I know we talk about this a lot on the show, but I think it's important to have people to call when things don't don't pan out the way that you would have expected. Right. Or to talk right. to, you know what I mean, before you even make a, a real decision. Right. So I recently right. had an experience. I met a guy um, kind of like in a mentorship capacity and, uh, you know, thought he was a cool guy. So we sat down and, you know, we met like the next week, sat down, had a discussion. Uh, and this guy, you know, he, I guess he had done some research on me and kind of saw the things that I've, that I've done, some of the accomplishments, you know, the show, Deafin College Academy, things like that. And then he started to, when we sat down, he started to propose all of these things. He's like, man, you should sit on the board of this. You should do this. You should do that. You, you know, you should do all of these things. And I'm kind of like, you know, when, when I, as we were wrapping up, I was kind of, you know, in a whirlwind, I was like, man, this is so much stuff. I, he was like, well, you know, what do you think in kind of trying to get me to commit there in a, in a moment? And I was like, well, you know, I need to go and sit and actually write this stuff out and literally look at it at these different opportunities. I understand what you're saying, you know, and this stuff sounds great, but it is actually, you know, something that, uh, you know, that these are things that require a lot of time and commitment. And mm-hmm. so uh, we circled back and so we talked on the phone a few more times and to the point to where he was, you know, excited and wanted me to intro- want to introduce me to another one of his associates who ran a company mm-hmm. And so what it ended up boiling down to is, you know, he talked to me about one of the things that I run that I don't really do a lot with. And he essentially wanted me to, um, you know, wanted to do some type of collaboration, which was my understanding. And so, of course, I, I hop on this phone call with him uh, and his associate, and we're having a conversation. And essentially what ends up happening is, is they wanted me to, Offset my intellectual property of a program and something that I've built that has taken me almost six, seven years to build and give it to them to offer to the public um, free of charge in hopes that when they win a contract that I'll give them that they can pay me then. And then I also give them a percentage of the profits because it would be a situation where they help me market this product that I have. Um, And when I said that that's not something that I would agree to. The gentleman said, got irate and said that that is what I said that I was going to do and that he could not believe this, that this was a waste of his time and this, that, and the third and just really got nasty on the phone. Now, me being who I am, I, I kept the conversation professional. And then after I hung up the phone, I was a bit upset, but I I then called, Uh I then called you, Eric, and, and spoke to you about that and I think what this was is this was a a novice mistake on my end, but also because I ignored some of the important, um, I guess, flags that were there in the beginning. And so it was Uh definitely it was a recent experience, which is why I was like, hey, you know what? This has to be a CEO Talks topic for today, because, you know, even when you've been at it for a while, you know, you still sometimes slip up. And, you know, at first, the situation was disappointing to me, but when I, when I talked to, to you, Eric, and when I talked to another one of my friends, we talked about the fact that this was um, minimal damage. Par for the course. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it mm-hmm. was something that was primarily, if anything was hurt, it would be more of my ego yeah. because I got chewed out on the phone. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even talk to people like that. You know what I mean? And I didn't, I didn't think it was necessary for him to even, you know, carry on in that manner. But it showed me his level of professionalism as well. It sounds like he dodged a bullet, man. Right. Because mm. if I, you know, exactly. from my experience, if somebody's willing
2: to go down that fast, that hard, to to really go off on you on the phone and not really sit back and say, okay, well maybe we need to just talk about this a little more,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, right. you you dodged a huge bullet because God forbid that person was better at covering their tracks, you know, covering their their attitude or their real personality. Mm-hmm. You signed right. that con- you signed that contract, the and then the light switches. You know, Mm. I've seen that many times where someone is just, you know, snake oil salesman, man. Like they just come off as like Uh really good people. And you're like, man, this guy, where did this guy come from, man? This is going to be fantastic. This guy's the person I've been waiting for. Mm. And you sign that contract and it's like, it's like you just signed your first born away or something. All of a sudden they come back and you're just like, this is not the same person. They're trying to boss you around. They're attacking you. They're threatening lawsuits. If you don't do X, Y, Z. Sounds like you, sounds like you might've dodged, uh, you know, you got lucky. You got lucky, lucky.
0: Well, I think one of the things, you know, the phone call went south, but I think one of the the key things was is to be, I was oftentimes quiet when things were being proposed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just Mm -hmm. listening. And one of the flags for me um, was that I didn't, I never heard anything about paperwork. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, let's do this partnership. You should be on, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. And I'm kind of like, well, you know, when is there a mention of how does this contractually Yeah. Uh, Pan out for all of us, you know, and and Mm -hmm. where where do you when am I going to receive this in writing so that I understand what it is that you want me to do? Because even in those phone calls, you know, that we would have leading up before um, this, I guess you could say his meltdown. You know, I was I would have to re-ask, you know, okay, so what is it exactly that you're asking me?
2: Well, it seems like it seems like from what you've just said that it, it almost sounds like a one sided deal. He's 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 saying all of the things that you're going to do for him and the return is some A maybe myth, Yeah. Maybe 70% of something that may or may not sell at some point down the road that may or may not happen. Right. Right.
0: right. Yeah, that's very true.
2: Right. So you give me something concrete and I might, I got this lottery ticket, right? The scratch off,
0: <laughs> come spend your whole check on the scratch off. And, uh, you know, we might, uh, you know, you might win. <laughs>
2: Right, but with no
1: paperwork, I ain't gonna pay you in a year. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah,
0: I'm just gonna win this, you know, and you know, I might toss you something out of the goodness of my heart. So that was my recent yeah. experience uh, with negotiation. I think that you know, definitely lesson learned. I think also, you know, we talk about this again. I, Todd, you said you have a three part process of you know how you pick your person. You said that earlier. Three I, part.
2: I don't have to remember this.
0: Uh, you wh- said three things. I knew I should have wrote them down, dude. They were perfect. <laughs> I knew it when you said it. I was like, oh, I should write this down. It did. I was like, nah. He's gonna remember. It sounds I'm like not, he knows but, that, it. dude. You said something. Something. Trust your gut. Well, yeah. Trust your gut's one of them. Oh my god. This dude. Well, is here's let
2: me Wait. Let me. It's coming back. So <laughs> I basically what happens when I go into when I attempt to go into a negotiation is is I first get to know the person. I try to. I try to get to know the person as best I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I if I haven't known that person for long enough, then I'll try to find someone else in that person's circle. So I'll reach out to somebody this person did a deal with. Um, I'll usually just ask. I'll be like, hey, man, can I talk to somebody else mm-hmm. that did a deal with you to see how it turned out? Or if they don't feel comfortable with that, I'll just reach out directly. You know, hey, man, I'm talking to someone, so what was your experience with that person? And then the third is trust your gut. And that's the hard part because a lot of times, I mean— you know, with it, with my worst experience, those first two things checked out. You know, I had people in my circle that had done business with this person, had a good experience. Um, and my gut
0: told me that there was something off, but I just went for it uh, and, and I shouldn't have. So, yeah. So beautiful people. What I'm going to say right now is what Todd just kind of said, but I'm going to give you the straight just three things. <laughs> <laughs> straight facts. Facts be um, get to know the person, uh, check their referrals and also trust your gut. So those are the three things. I'm going to add one more to it. I'm going to say, you know, look for the, be aware of the flags. And I guess that's a part of trusting the, your gut. But, you know, really pay attention to it. Do not sidestep those, um, those flags, man, because you will regret it.
2: Hi, I'm Diane. I have a daughter, Nikki, and she's a senior at high school. She just got accepted for early decision into college. Prior to taking Kevin's program, we were pretty overwhelmed because her college debt after her merit scholarships looks like it's gonna be about 150,000 in four years. Feeling pretty overwhelmed about that 150,000 potential debt. I decided to enroll in Kevin's debt-free College Academy full course program and I have to say the value for the money uh, for what we got out of the program was absolutely amazing. Kevin takes you step by step with many many different tips and many different strategies for not only the student but for us as parents for our student, things that we can do to really help
0: save money and prepare. If you or your child are looking to save money on college costs, sign up for Debt Free College Academy today at DebtFreeCollegeAcademy.com using coupon code FREECOLLEGE. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. We are here at CEO Talks, first Sunday of the month, and we have Todd Wanish here, CEO of Clever Air. Eric Fondren here, our CEO of Itelio. Gentlemen, are you here? Are you ready? Yes, Yes, yes sir. Yeah, we're jumping I was,
1: right. I was itching because I, I, had, I had a couple of points coming back about this this negotiations, the, the different nego- negotiations issue. No, you definitely. know, I think one way to clarify it is to clarify it up front, and that's with two points. The first is that not every conversation you have about a potential opportunity is a negotiation. Mm-hmm. The only way it's a negotiation is that both people have placed an ask on the table. And I would venture to say that, you weren't actually in a difficult negotiation, uh, Kevin. You dodged a bullet because you didn't even move it even further because you never placed an ask on the table. Mm. You never said, I would like this. Right. All, all you said was, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. So you're setting lines, but you never provided an ask. Mm. And having an ask is not selfish. It's strategic. Mm. It, it means that this is what I need to get out of this in order for the work I put in to be worthwhile. Absolutely. And so if you can't even ask that question, not even worth continuing
0: the conversation. And you know what? Now that you say that, you're you're absolutely right, because everything that was being proposed to me, actually, as you even Todd, you said this right before the break. It definitely talked about um, it definitely just highlighted me being of One-sided service deal. Yeah. It never highlighted any ROI except for, oh, you know, I have a network or, you know, you might be able to 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 blow up and i'm you know one of my things is is of course i do motivational speaking around the world and we have a radio show but i'm not big on being a celebrity man that's that's never that's not my thing you know so Mm -hmm. it's when when people start to say things like that to me that that's what the return is is popularity i'm like dude i Mm -hmm. you know i have good people in my life i don't need to be uh you know more popular
1: (laughs) you know i don't need the fame i don't need
0: the fame man you know Uh, But that's interesting because we're right back on the break. uh, What I want to do, I want to tell everybody uh, on Facebook live. Thank you for tuning in. And I also want to say that we are having I'm having a goal setting workshop on Saturday, uh, the 13th. And so I want you to tune in. And also you can tune in via webinar. or You can come and attend at 472 West 141st Street, which is here in Harlem. It's an absolute free workshop. But we help people. I help people set their goals for the new year and execute them. And uh, you can go to Eventbrite. Uh, Cylseries.eventbrite.com And sign up It's 100% free Had a gentleman come up to me uh, Three days ago And say that he actually Saved $7,000 last year Because of the goals That we set for him um, At the workshop uh, Last year And so we've gotten A lot of good um, Good feedback About the workshop Which is why we're doing it again It's an annual thing That I do So anybody Who is anybody That needs help All of Create Your Life Family I want you to Just hop on uh, eventbrite.com, search for 2018 Goal Crushing Workshop or search for Create Your Life Series. And I want you to come in. I want to help you get right for 2018 because we are creating our best lives. Now, after that infomercial, back to uh, difficult negotiations. <laughs> <laughs>
1: awesome. That was, that was awesome. Uh, so, so Eric, a master marketer right there.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> Eric, I got, a, I got a question for you. So yeah, sir. what do you look for in a good negotiation? Like, what are you, what are you after?
1: Mm. You know, it, it, if I'm after, if the negotiation is a business deal, then I'm after a leverage. And when, when people, when I say leverage, I don't mean like I'm flipping a light switch and the lights come on. I want to flip a light switch and a roller coaster comes on, the whole park lights up, right? Leverage means minimal work creates, a huge output that the result should be exponentially more valuable than the work put in. Mm -hmm. And so if it's a business opportunity, it shouldn't be this one for one. Oh, you know, I sold a couple of tickets for you and so I'm going to pay you $50. It's like, no, I have a base of a thousand people that I can put you in front of Mm -hmm. and your potential revenue is going to be, you know, 10 X your, your input. So you, you absolutely need to know your business in order to know what leverage means. But you have to look at it like the work put in is going to exponentially grow your business. Otherwise, it's not work that you couldn't just go out and do yourself. There's no reason to give away profit or revenue for someone that can do something that you can do yourself.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, another thing is to be conscious of what, what is, is being said to you. You know, sometimes people might not want to give, a, uh, you know, profit, revenue. Uh, they might try to ask you for a percentage of your company. At a very minimal mm-hmm. cost, uh, which is something that I've experienced, you know, somebody uh, wanted to hop on board and wanted to pay a couple hundred dollars a month for a particular service. And was like, oh, you know, well, since I'm, I'm covering this, I'm like an investor. Why don't you give me uh, five or 10 percent of your brand or your, your business? And you're kind of looking at this person like, dude, I'm I'm helping you out. Are, <laughs> wow. you, are you serious right now? You know, so I think wow. that that's important, too, is to, you know, dodge, be aware of all the different ways that people can ask Mm-hmm. Uh, something of you that may permanently be a hand in your pocket
2: so have you guys there yeah, go for it go ahead well i was going to just jump in and just ask um have either of you found in and you're working that people on the other side of the table um misinterpret negotiation for compromise hmm.
1: yes i'll let you clarify that point for the audience but i'm pretty sure i know what you mean
2: Sure. Uh, I've found uh, in, in some dealings that people, when you're working to, together to build something together, that mm-hmm. uh, uh, what you may think of as a negotiation, the other person thinks of as a compromise. So a compromise is where you don't necessarily get what you want and I don't necessarily get what we want. And we kind of create an equal ground together somewhere beneath where we, we each we're wanting to do. Um, and there is an a aspect to compromise in negotiation because there's there's techniques within negotiation that feel like compromise. Like I might start with a price that might be a little high, and we negotiate to a lower price that we both agree upon, uh, or or different lower terms or different terms that we both mm-hmm. agree upon uh, that both parties feel is positive. Mm-hmm. Um, from my perspective, a negotiation when I'm negotiation when when I'm going into a negotiation, I have I have. Uh, I actually have two jobs Mm -hmm. Um, and and I I don't know if I'm unique in this uh, perspective, but I need to win and I need the other person to feel like they won, Mm -hmm. right? Because only, you know, Mm -hmm. only, you know, what makes you feel like a win. So it's important for me to know before we go into something, Mm -hmm. Hey man, what do you need to get out of this so that you can feel like we just, we just kick butt together. So you tell me that hopefully, and, and hopefully it's what you really believe. And that's, that way I can come to the table and say, okay, cool for us to get that. Here's what I need. And then I try to put something, forward. Um, um, and usually I'll, I'll even, uh, I've had a really good, uh, uh, time with putting targets on the board or, um, mm-hmm. or even, even creating multiple options. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of psychology, but I might say, well, option A, we do this option B, we do that, right. whichever, which right. psychologically you're more inclined to choose w- w- one option over the other than say neither. You know, neither option, right? Right. If I say, "Well, do you want to go to I the left or to the right?" A negotiating tactics. It's a tactic, but I would actually change it just slightly.
1: I think the act of negotiation is all in, a, in and of itself, a compromise, hmm. right? So, if and this is why it's very important to go into a negotiation knowing what your floor is, knowing what you can't compromise past. Hmm. And and this is how a lot of people fail when they're uh, uh, naive or, or uh, amateurish in a negotiation. They go in with their floor because they think that's the most fair ask that they should make. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to come across seeming greedy or whatever the case is. So they come in with their floor and they keep getting it chopped. And now that they've compromised past their floor, they're they have a bad deal on their hands. Right. And so... In order to compromise well, you have to know what your boundaries are. You have to know where you're comfortable stepping into and where you'll never go. And so as soon as you have a a negotiation and someone makes an ask of you or you're making an ask of them, you should know how far you can push them or how far they can push you before the deal itself is no longer tenable for anybody. Um, And you say that you should win and they should feel like they won, I would probably say that that depends on the type of the negotiation because if it's a bad, if if the negotiation started from bad circumstances, then everybody's already upset. Right. And so their only win is to get out with the least pain possible. Mm. And so I heard a guy say that to me that the best deal, where everybody is just a little bit upset about some of the circumstances, just a little bit.
2: Mm. Maybe. Maybe. I'll, I, the exactly, only, maybe. The, maybe. Only, I'll the, only, the <laughs> only difference is, uh, I would put into that is the only, the only balance to that is, is I would include that um, when I suggest something like, well, it's my job to make you feel like you won, it isn't, it isn't to say that I pulled something over or that you didn't get right. a good deal, but you feel like you did. It's that it's up to you as the other per- person across the table to know what makes you happy. You know right. I, if, if you say, I want X and that'll make me happy, and I give you X, and you are not happy, then that's not on me. I did my best to make right. you feel like you got a really good deal out of it, right? Because I'm, I'm coming up and trying my best, even if it's three quarters, two X, um, or half of X, or whatever we can land on. Um, um, it's your job to know what you need, and, you, and I think you cover that pretty well. It's, your, it's, it's that floor. You have to know where the floor is and know where the ceiling is right. and kind of work, work in between the right. two uh, and, and find a place that you can be satisfied
1: Hmm. Some of the many times I, I pushed myself past my floor when you know I was really young and, and dumb in the go- at the negotiation table, mm-hmm. it was because I was banking on that negotiation. And I think one of the points need to be made is that no deal is real <laughs> until you've been paid for it. I wasn't going right. to say until it's inked, but obviously Todd's earlier story, means <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> so no deal is real until you have been paid for it. And so you always keep other irons in the fire, even if the negotiation you're re- you're currently in is a really big one and could put you on the map. Always have other irons in the fire because you never know how long it's gonna take or whether or not it's gonna come to fruition.
2: Have have either of you gentlemen ever purposely made a bad deal? Like
0: purposefully made a bad deal. But like it was a survival thing? Like that? Possibly. Um I've what would you say purposely? I would say this. I'm, I'm reading this book called Profit First, uh, and it's it's a really good book. That's a very good book. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, so yeah, yeah, you know it. But he talks about that, the mentality of, you know what I mean, kind of being in survival mode, um, you know, right. from a profit standpoint. So, you know, it's you, as an entrepreneur, sometimes you have this mentality like, oh, I just need to land this next deal. You know what I mean? And then I'll be okay. And then you end up, you know, spending all of that money on, you know, whatever your operational mm-hmm. costs are, and then you have to find another deal and stuff like that. So- I don't know that it was a bad deal on purpose, but I knew that it wasn't the best deal, but I needed the money. So, yes, in the past, I have like done a speech under rate because but, you know, after that was earlier in my days. Now I'll say, you know what, I can't come in at that rate because I know that I cannot raise this any higher. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a, you know, and sometimes people are like, oh, well, you know, you you come in at this rate and then, you know, you do it a a little bit lower. And, you know, we just want to see what you got. Or we want to make sure that, you know, it's a good investment. And then, you know, next time we'll do this. And it's like, no. Right. Right. So intentionally, no. But knowingly, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's that's super similar. So I don't even know. What what about
2: you, Eric? Like in in bootstrapping your business or when you were getting started, did you uh, ever have to give like a just a sweetheart deal to a vendor or a partner that you just knew uh, you weren't going to have a real good return on just so that you could uh, use that to leverage future uh, opportunities? Oh, well, go ahead. A little different, I was right?
1: definitely in a position where I was offering some sweetheart deals knowing that it was probably not the best business decision and thankfully it didn't uh, come to fruition in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd been around when leadership in my organization before I was uh, CEO was, mm-hmm. um, made a couple of bad deals in, in, in terms of a, the survivalist mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I learned a lot about negotiation, watching other people negotiate very, very badly mm-hmm. um, and seeing them give away more than they were supposed to, seeing them coming with the ask that was their floor or less than their floor, just to, to be, you know, altruistic in negotiation. And I learned really quickly that nobody's altruistic in business. Nobody yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. It's, it's not meant to be. You're supposed to make profit. It's supposed to be something that continues itself. If you're altruistic, you're going to give away more than you take in. And so, ultimately, you know, I've seen it enough to not do it myself intentionally, mm-hmm. but I have gotten to the point and got lucky and been pulled back from the brink a couple times.
0: Yeah, I will say this, too, you know, that there have definitely been uh, times like where I might have went underrate if it was a network Mm -hmm. That I was trying to get into, but it was it was only slight because the word is going to travel like even in my contract as a speaker. You know, one of the in the clauses is don't, you know, certain airlines I will not fly on. (laughs) But also, Mm -hmm. um, you know, rate is not to be negotiated. I mean, not to be uh, shared. I mean, of course, it probably is. Um, Mm -hmm. But therefore, you have to really stick to your guns um, when doing when doing that, but if you're trying to get your foot into a door, sometimes you might have to take a, just a little bit of a hit it, because you know that the ROI is going to be a lot bigger and a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you know, I, right, I was. that's it,
1: not I'm the mad. definition of a bad deal, though. That's you know, a bad deal is that you know it's going to work in it's not going to work in your favor the whole time. Mm. um Cutting your rate to get in the door or something. There's a, a future ROI that you're expecting there. Um, and sometimes you can get the bad deal at thinking that that will come through fruition, and it doesn't. And that's really what comes, what, what makes a bad deal, I would think.
0: Yeah. And I think one thing that you said, too, was also know what your ask is before you get to the table. Because yeah. I, I feel like, you know, people, t- when you seem unprepared, man, you are a target. You yeah. know, and that's why yeah. people sometimes try to get you to make decisions right there on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um. Because they really, really want to, they want to catch you off balance and get you to commit so that you're locked in and then they're on the upside of the negotiation. But I will also say this though, and you know, Lenore said this, she said, We want to move past the conversation and the feeling of just profit and move into relationship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll find the exact quote, but she, she said, You want to move from being transactional into relational. Sure, that's sure. what she
2: said. Yeah, that's sure. good.
0: And I think that that's important because even if you get what you want in that moment, it's like right. the, the long-term damage is not worth it because you no longer have the relationship and the resource. And right. And yeah. I would I would say that I think I think uh,
2: the goal of having a relationship with the person is so that you can find people like that because there are people out there who will negotiate and try to take you in out. Good faith. They will. Well, there are people that will do it in good faith, but there are people that will try to take your head off for sport. Like that is yep. that is how they get their kicks is to is to bury you and get the deal and just, and just, you know, run the table
0: on you. It, everybody's yeah. different. And I think that it, to me, the bigger things it is, is that, you know, like one of my, one of my personal things is, is just I always want to be able to pick up the phone and, and, and have a conversation with somebody who who has their hand on a go button. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if I call you and I say, you know, I got somebody, you know, they need, they need an opportunity or, you know, can you make this happen? You can, tie you have the power to say Go, like, yes, they're hired, this, that, and the other. And I feel like if you're just operating just to get your kicks off of taking advantage of people, it's going to be short-lived.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and I, I just mm-hmm. don't think that that, I just don't find that to be wise, personally.
1: It's not wise, but I've ran into some people that make a living off of it, so I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't say that they're not successful at what they do, but from a uh, don't-waste-your-time perspective, definitely having that ask up front Mm-hmm. puts people, they, it'll put the wrong person back on their heels mm-hmm. and it'll put the right person will lean forward and say, okay, yes, no, how about this? And it'll mm-hmm. continue that conversation. Um, and so having your ask, no matter what their ask is, mm-hmm. letting them know up front that this is what you require if you're going to be doing anything can mm-hmm. just cut the conversation
2: short real quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that.
0: Okay. And uh, we got some people on uh, on. Facebook Live, who are asking questions. So, Breon, Nicole Davis, uh, thank you so much for posting uh, the Eventbrite for the the Goal Crushing Workshop. And she also asked, what's the name of the book that you mentioned? The book that I mentioned that Todd has also read, of course, is Profit First. um, And it's by Mike... Mike? Mikulowicz. Yeah. Good, good luck. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's called Profit First. It, it says Profit First on the front. And then it has a circle dri- uh, written around it. Uh, there's all. He also has a TED Talk, which I watched it like for some odd reason. I was up at 430 this morning. So I watched that. Um, but it's uh, Transform Your Business from a Cash Eating Monster to a Money Making Machine. And I've gotten a lot of value out of it uh, so far. Another book uh, built to sell. I've read recently. I have that. Been, I, I have not. Uh, I have the audio book. I haven't listened dude, to it yet though. I, so uh, you know, I'm I'm a fan of always getting the Kindle and then you get the Audible version. So I read it and mm-hmm. keep my highlights. Mm-hmm. That book is amazing in terms of um, just understanding moving your business from a service to a product to make it sellable. And he breaks down the steps so good. And he talk he talks about it from a standpoint of a guy. Uh, I believe no, the guy's not name is not Todd, but the guy he. He basically has an ad agency, and he's basically a slave to his clients. He has people who work under him, but they all the clients only want to deal with him. Yep. So he talks about transforming it into just more so uh, ironing out the process and it just being operated straight from a product standpoint. Mm. And he hires some sales reps, and, I mean, the thing, it takes off, and he's able mm. to sell it years later for, like, $10 million, where it was only, like, had a valuation of maybe, like, 600 k or something like that, if yep. I'm quoting it correctly. So I thought that that was... Uh, I've been doing some reading, man. I've been doing some reading, and, you know, it's enlightening. Also, Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. A classic, classic. A classic. Man. I think, uh, Eric, you, you, did you start it yet?
1: I have not started yet. I'm, I've been, uh, I picked up a couple other books. Okay. quite uh, self-help-related uh, uh, or move the page things I got to, like, de-stress. So right now I'm reading a John Quincy Adams' biography. Okay. And um, I also picked up uh, this book about the history between Israel and America. Whole mm. different segment,
0: but, you know, got to stay uh, <laughs> multidimensional. Well, I think that that's impor- important, you know, to highlight. You know, oftentimes you're sitting in a CEO seat, man, and you're like business, business. That's every single day. You're talking about you read it from mm-hmm. John Quincy Adams and, you know, uh, American diplomatic relations and things like that. I think that that's important yeah, to yes, highlight it because, is. you know, number one, we're dealing, you know, in a international economy, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you need to be able to relate to people. But number two, also, bro, like you have to – be a person yes a human you know and you have to you have to know right you have to know and understand uh people so kudos i would say that's pretty good (laughs) so um actually we're now at the end of the show so gentlemen uh please give out your contact information and uh (laughs) you know social media handles so create your life family can stay abreast of what you have going on and you know sure uh i guess i'll go first here um, so
2: you can reach me at cleverera.com. That's C-L-E-V-E-R-E-R-A.com. If you just put your email in there, we stay in touch. It's pretty simple.
0: Okay. Eric.
1: Very great. Um, yes, you can find me on Twitter, Eric in Bondrin. and you can also email me at any point, Eric at I-T-E-L-L, that's I-T-E-L-L dot I-O.
0: Okay. And Create Your Life Family, you know where you can catch me, uh, on instagram at kevin y brown or on uh twitter at kevin y brown i also want to highlight the fact that you um if you know who it is that you want to hear from in, in the you know on the show then please you know email us info at series.com let us know who you want on the show we're more than happy to bring that person on and we have a, a music contest coming up Uh, For independent artists So want to keep you abreast of that Let you know that You know we're still growing It's Create Your Life Always We got uh, merchandise Coming soon as well And uh, here we are With Doobie My thing Some hometown music We're going to end the show And you have a blessed Blessed Sunday Beautiful people If you enjoyed this episode Of the Create Your Life series Be sure to download it From our podcast Which is available On createyourlifeseries.com iTunes Stitcher Radio And Google Music Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYLseries and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week.
2: Create your life.
1: Crea la tua vita. Create your life.
0: You better create your life. Create your life. la Create
2: your
0: life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life.